Welcome once again to the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. It's our Game of the Year 2020 deliberations. I am your impromptu host, Spencer Tordoff. Joining me as ever, we have Aaron Thayer. Hello. Nick Cummings. Yo, yo, yo. Tyler Martin. Good day. And Doug Bonham. Hey. We got through our category awards. It's now time to determine which 10 games we're given the nod to and what order they go in. Can I just say, first of all, that uh, something we discussed as a group, which is that 2020 has been a really fucking bad year by every measure I'm aware of. And so we have taken certain uh, different angles and approaches with how we think about games this year in order to kind of just like get through it. So there will be a couple games coming up that didn't strictly come out this calendar year. There will be some games that we may have like previously not considered for Game of the Year because they're like remakes, remasters. We just, speaking for myself here, I guess, but like broadly speaking, I think we all just like, like this has been hard enough. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I'm just. We're just glad you're all listening to this with us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a real fucking doozy. Gotta in, say, in a year of uh, tumultuous change and suffering in many different ways, um, it, I am grateful that we can continue this tradition, um, separate apart. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a reason to come together, and I'm thankful for that. So. I'm glad we'll we'll have a top ten again. We'll have all these category awards, and we keep the tradition going despite the year that was just mentioned. All right. Well, why don't I start us off with our games with single nominations, and then move us up the list um, with one member of our team nominating each. We have Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Carrion. Clubhouse Games, 51 Worldwide Classics. Crosscode. I, I, uh, I don't know what that is. Somebody put that on there. Not yet. Shh. But yeah. <laughs> um, De- Crosscode, Desperados 3, Disco Elysium, Doom Eternal, Dota Underlords, F1 2020, Gears Tactics, Genshin Impact, Golf With Your Friends, Half-Life Alex, Eichenfell, Moon, Paradise Killer, Persona 5 Royale, Risk of Rain 2, Spelunky 2, Streets of Rage 4, Umarangi Generation, Wide Ocean Big Jacket, and Yakuza Like a Dragon. And Play somebody bumped up. Disco Elysium. Change. So Disco Elysium yeah. is two nominations now rather than one. Yeah, that's me. Um, two nominations each. Beyond Disco Elysium, we have Blaseball, Crusader Kings 3, Ghost of Tsushima, Star Wars Squadrons, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. With three nominations each, we have Final Fantasy VII Remake, Kentucky Route Zero, and Paper Mario The Origami King. And with four apiece, as close to consensus as our team gets, uh, uh, actually, we have The Last, Last of Us Part There's one more. Oh, my, my bad. Last of Us Part 2, also three nominations. My mistake. Um, and then, yeah, four each, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and Hades. 
So that is the current standings as they exist. We have uh, a number to narrow down here. Dota fucking Underlords? I'm sorry. Uh, did I nominate that? That might be. <laughs> let me let me take a look here. Yeah, please explain. Because honestly, did you just go full Urkel? Like, did I do that? <laughs> did I nom that? Um, I have enjoyed playing that. Uh, ultimately, I think Otter Chess is cool, and I'm pretty sure this is something that uh, Valve has released and promptly abandoned. So let me see here. The desk yeah, is right. me. I'm gonna go ahead and nix it so that we uh, don't need to worry about it. The desks have moved away from the Dota no, Nix right. was the last category, Spencer. Quiet, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> Hush. Um, I mean, nobody's gonna back me up as I don't think has ever happened with the Assassin's Creed open world games. Uh, I know Tyler has not been impressed with Valhalla as much as the last two. I think, personally, before we can drop it, that for this new model that started with Origins three, four years ago, or whatever, of RPG trappings, gear, and all that crap, I prefer Valhalla over the last couple, even though the character in Odyssey being Cassandra that I picked was far more compelling than Eivor in Valhalla. Um, The mechanics, the world, the map, the trappings of these map games... I think is more condensed and honed and edited down from being in, as it was in Odyssey, you have like 5 billion pieces of loot and armor and all this crap, and it just felt like overwhelming. I haven't felt overwhelmed in Valhalla, um, and I think that they kind of honed that style that they've been doing the last several games um, in a great way. I like the world. I like the setting. Graphics are amazing to me. Photo mode's fun. I will enjoy playing it regardless of it hitting the top 10. So we can drop it, but um, I really liked it. And I'll be the dissenting voice there. I'm still playing it. I'm still having fun. But everything that Nahala does, I think, has been done better elsewhere, even in its own series. I still hold up Odyssey much higher than Nahala in that regard. And a lot of the, the stylish uh, aspects of it, given that it's evoking that like kind of like Nordic... Uh, atmosphere uh, definitely hit better for me with God of War than it does with Valhalla. I think it's probably still a good game overall, but definitely not a top 10 contender for this year. So, Clubhouse Games. Doug. Yeah, I put that on that list. You know... (laughs) Oh, Doug, get the fuck out of here. Come on. I like playing Moncolo, guys. There's a value to having that out there, and it's well done. As a fucking game of the year contender? This is a really thin year. Okay. Come on, guys. If you're talking about only nominating stuff you think is actually going to win, then why do we have 50 games nominated down there? A fair point. A fair point. (laughs) D1, though. There's 51 in this one. So what I'm hearing is... Doug doesn't want to drop it for now, so let's move on. No, we can drop it. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Well, see, that didn't take much. I just wanted to say, hey, you know what? This is a good game. If you want to get something or if you need something for flights or for playing with two people or if you have kids or something like that, it's a good game. It's not bad. It's got this this hot new game called Chess. It's got got a damn good connection. (laughs) (laughs) As seen on Queen's Gambit. Yeah, Yeah, it's this this hot new game (laughs) from the Netflix series Queen's Gambit. Um, 
Does anyone else have early sacrifices they want to make? I'll make... I know that I have a couple. Yeah, I've got one. I'll continue. Um, Formula One 2020 is the best of those um, Codemasters Formula One racing games. It has the team mode that I've wanted for probably 15 or 20 years. If you are interested, you already know that. If you are if you are very casual, it's still approachable. It's just the best complete package they put together for all that. So that I'm enjoying that. Um, I'll sacrifice a Persona 5 Royal, not Royale. We got enough Battle Royales in 2020. Um, I will say this. It is completely insane to ask someone to replay a 100-hour RPG. And so, Atlas, I fucking hate yep. you for putting one of the best stories, not as DLC, to a game you already made. Another $60. But as... <laughs> A standalone game that I have to replay a lot of the shit that I think I still like the game. I still like Persona 5 a lot. It made our ten top 10 list. No, it was one of my uh, personal honorable mentions years ago, I think. But ah, I like Persona 5 a lot, and I really like what they added for Royale. I'm just pissed off at their monetization scheme, especially because it's not on goddamn Switch. And why do I have to replay it on PlayStation 2? <laughs> like, PS4. God damn it, Atlas! Yeah, you're right. Yes, I'm. I'm so livid. I can't even count anymore. You're so livid. You went back about to, that, to Persona Four. How about that new battle it's, theme? That new battle theme rips. Who? That's. It's so good. The mu- The new music is really good. The, everything they added to it is worthwhile. I just wish it didn't have to be packaged this way. Yeah. Ugh. So you dropped that. That's great. Um, let's let's yeah, drop. I, yep. Go oh, here's got one. No, go for it, Nick. All right, all right, fine. I'll play my hand first. We can drop Moon. Um, it's. Aww. I mean, I just don't think it's a top ten. I mean, I'll talk about it if you all want to keep it around, but <laughs> I just. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I think like. No, I I, I do want to try it, but I, I I hope you write about it for one of your honorable mentions because it seems like something that's worth attention. But yeah, it, it's. Similar to uh, the Fire Emblem game that we mentioned earlier, like it's just an old game that never got <laughs> released, and now it's finally getting localized, and that's pretty awesome. But yeah. it's it's not a 2020 game, <laughs> not even no. close. But as someone who like you know, as you all know, like I I really love Undertale, which draws a ton of inspiration from this game. So going back and seeing where a lot of that came from, Genesis, and also yeah. the the benefit too of like you know Tim Rogers did the localization, and he's got a very he's a very interesting person to put it lightly, and like. <laughs> His voice kind of like helping to translate it, I think, is just makes it very interesting. It feels like a, a kind of like a really cool presentation of this very old, obscure game. Um, I was going to volunteer uh, Desperados 3. Um, I really enjoyed it. I have never played one of these games. You know, it's um, a real time, isometric, tactical, cowboy stealth shooter. Um, the worlds are very detailed. The strategy is fun. Um, it feels fun to piece together your attack plan. You have various different characters with different skills. Um, it feels very old school, but modern at the same time. Um, there's a lot of great just touches and development and quality of life um, additions. I'm really excited to play more of it. Uh, I think it's great, but I know nobody else has played that. And um, I played the Japanese one. That was also... Very good. What Japanese one? I probably... Uh, Blade of the Shogun? 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't even know. Same developer, same style. Okay. Yeah, so I'm kind of new to this, so that's probably um, coloring some of my impressions. But, yeah, if you like that sort of... Shadow Tactics, that's the name of the game. Okay. Shadow Tactics, Blades of the Shogun. If you like this sort of game, you'll probably have already been playing it. If you haven't tried one of these, and I believe it's PC only for now, then you know that kind of limits the audience. But yeah, I, I might. No, I think it's on consoles too. Yeah, it's on PS4 and Xbox. It was okay. I guess I don't think it was a release. Anyway, I'll probably talk about my honorable mentions. So. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and volunteer a couple. Um, Carrion is. A very late one. I only just recently picked it up, but it's a uh, Metroidvania playing a horror movie functionally from the perspective of the monster. So you are a beast that breaks out of containment and runs around eating scientists and killing guards and infesting an entire facility to get out of it. Um, Sound design is great. Level design is really good. Um... Just an enjoyable one. I would I would pick that up on a sale. I, I think that's a solid ten dollar game. I really like the trial. The trial was cool. I just I knew I wasn't going to get around to it just priority mm-hmm. wise. But I do like like you're saying it flips the Metroidvania um, protagonist on its head a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's got some pretty cool puzzles too, where you're mm-hmm. um, leaving biomass behind and doing things, and then coming back and picking up your biomass again. It's, all disgusting. I can barely stomach it viscerally, but I, I'm still really enjoying it. Real, real um, quick, um, Nick, did you want to nominate Wide Ocean Big Jacket? Because it only has my vote for now. Oh, I did. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So I'll add that right now. Keep going, Spencer. Just one. All right. Um, and the other one is golf with your friends. Um, it's just stupid ass mini golf with goofy levels and bad physics. Oh, nice. All of you come to a LAN party and play golf with your friends. It's really stupid. It's really fun. Um, that's it. Right, 2023. <laughs> we'll be there. 2023. All right. <laughs> Fucking name. Uh, I will cut cross code because I fell off at about seven or eight hours in, which is pretty good for me with games these days. But uh, it's really cool. I think if you're looking for a really solid, like, um, like if Secret of Mana had a fun combat system, this is kind of what that would be like, and it blends like some cool like side quests with main quest design, and it's just kind of a. It feels a little bit like Ragnarok Online did back when that was new, mm-hmm. but like faster and more fun, and it's a single player experience, but still within an MMORPG trapping. So, it's neat. It came out like a year or two ago on PC, and it came to Switch this year, and I really enjoyed what I played, but I just didn't really get too deep into it. And I just don't. I don't think it's in the top ten of what I see here. Okay. I'll probably cut Gears Tactics. Um, I, I don't think I would be able to sell anyone on it here. Uh, this, I, I guess, we'll use the word generation has been pretty lean for Microsoft in terms of their uh, first party output, and I liked uh, Gears Five and to a lesser extent Gears Four. But what I really like about Gears Tactics is that it shows uh, Microsoft's willingness to kind of take these properties and experiment with uh, different genres uh, and still fit that universe well. And I think that Gears Tactics is more successful than Halo Wars was, which is the real-time strategy version of Halo. And 
I think the, the reason for me that I wouldn't really be able to push it into the top 10 is just like, it's a good tactics game, but there's been better tactics games in the last generation. Like, you're probably better off playing the most recent XCOM spinoff. XCOM 2 is definitely better than Gears Tactics. But if you're looking for something with a little bit less depth and something shorter, I think Gears Tactics works very well in terms of adapting the Gears formula into a turn-based tactics game. Whoever voted for Genshin Impact convinced me on that game. <laughs> I, I put it up there. Um, it is the single best uh, gotcha game I've ever played. Like the, the amount of polish and money poured into it is extremely evident from the get-go. Like this is a full AAA game that you can download for free. It is very well localized. It's impressive, the package that they delivered in. I'm very curious if the monetization model is paying off for them because I've never felt compelled to give them any money. I think there was an article and that said they've already made four or five hundred million to date. Fucking. So, yeah. Jesus. Okay. Feel bad for people that have that uh, gambling compulsion. I do not. So I've, I've been pretty lucky in terms of free-to-play games because I can pretty easily check in and out at my leisure mm-hmm. i'll be honest uh, though I, like those mechanics make me feel bad for people who are less resistant to them and i i feel a yeah, little bit yeah, of, no, definitely i feel a lot of concern for the industry at large i'm not saying it's like necessarily bearing on this game specifically yeah. but it, i do worry about the, the the broader societal cost of these things i guess a little bit it certainly didn't invent mm. the system but yeah well there's a reason that there was that backlash again against loot boxes in the West, and that EA especially was so punished for it with uh, in regards to Battlefront 2. So I'm not sure why this game hasn't experienced that kind of backlash. Maybe because it's not nearly as intrinsic to your enjoyment of the experience. Like, it, it's not difficult for you to get the different characters. Well, there was also a new IP, and Star Wars Battlefront has a history of being a game you bought and you played online without any of that extraneous loot sure. box mechanism so yeah it's also easier to get congress members pissed off about something when they have like an ip like star star wars attached to it that they can understand and they think oh that's for kids you can't do that but like what the what's the guy explain... <laughs> yeah how do you explain genshin impact to like fucking i don't know nancy pelosi or it would, it would just turn into McConnell. xenophobia because you just say it's from china oh, oh okay. something yeah. they, they want to ban that shit which yeah. the developers have apparently censored Taiwan and Hong Kong references, so there's a little bit of hot water from that when it first came Yeah, out, so. but they probably kind of like have to, being a mainland right. China. Yeah, it's a mainland China thing. I don't really feel right. Yeah. I don't really feel right penalizing them for that because I don't think that's so much a choice that they made, where it's more just the cost of doing business as a Chinese company, period. Yep. It still sucks, but yeah, I don't think it's the developers yeah, taking does. a stand specifically. Which is a reason for me not to give money to it, even though I don't already want to give money to those sort of games. But yeah, yeah, it's not it's not them choosing to do that. All right, I'm gonna uh, lay one more of mine's um, tender necks on the altar, um, and then I'm gonna fight for the other ones. <laughs> um, but Risk of Rain Two is a really excellent. Um, indie third-person roguelite um fantastic co-op game uh you got to build out 
your team and the loot that you pick up as you go um, very carefully with your friends. Uh, the longer that you take, the more the game penalizes you. Um, pretty fantastic. I, I like it a lot. I like the character design. I like the level design. Um, I would say definitely pick it up. Uh, I think it came to Switch uh, recently. So, yeah, it's it's worth playing. Um, it's definitely worth playing co-op. And I really enjoy it. So I have moved that to my HMs. I like playing also, that with you. I think at PAX, was it, last year? Yeah, yeah. We, we picked yeah. up, um, well, it was still in early access. Yeah, and that was good, though. Yeah, was, that was a fun time. And I still pick it up from time to time and get a four stack going. It's a good time. Cool. can also move um, <clears throat> Yakuza to my HMs. I haven't finished it. I know Doug started playing it. Uh, I can tell that I think I'll, it'll be one of my favorites of the Yakuza's I've played, which have, like I said, only been a few. But, you know, I, I haven't finished it, and I usually don't like to nominate games. I haven't finished other than, yes, Zelda, like, 15 fucking years ago. Um, Skyward Sword, so never live that down. But, yeah, Yakuza will be on my HMs. Cool. I think okay, I'm going to have to take... Yeah, I'm about to cut Ickenfell, I think, because I just haven't played enough to be able to say it's a top 10 game. I think for me, it will definitely be that. I get a really good read on the first couple hours. There's a couple things I'm a little iffy on, like the combat system feels a little bit tedious to start. It feels a little bit like it's going for that Mario and Luigi style, like you do 1 HP of damage or 2 HP of damage. But like it just feels a very a little bit like kind of just very, very ineffectual to start. But everything else about it, I'm really intrigued by, and... The soundtrack is, like I said, really cool. So I just don't think it's going to hang with this discussion. Okay. By the way, once we knock out a bunch of these one votes, we're going to have a pretty close list yep. for once. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're I told already... you guys the top 10 was going to move pretty quickly. We're already down well, to 20. More quick, Yes, more, more uh, rapid than usual, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get hung up on a few of these. Um, yeah. I mean, do you want to fight for Streets of Rage 4, Tyler? Since you, I think you were the wrong vote for that. As a top 10? No, probably not. Okay. I fought for it in the category I thought it was most worthy of, which was fun. It is a fun game. I had fun with it. But beyond that, yeah, no, I, it's, not, it's not one of the best games. I want to pick it back up again and get some more into it to get more out of it. But yeah, it's it's really fun beat em up Um I don't know how much more than that it does, but it's really cool. It's got a good style. It doesn't do more than that. Mm. And for me, that was fine because I played it on Game Pass. So it's not, it didn't even feel like an expense to me. It was just, I popped in, basically pumped it full of quarters for a bit. I got the experience that I wanted out yeah. of it. Well, I bought it on Switch, so it'll be around for whenever we have a chance to play couch co-op at some point. So it sounded like from a couple other the others here that Spencer wanted to probably fight. I assume these two are for his for Alex, Half-Life Alex and Doom Eternal. So we can come to those in a bit. Um, who voted for Umarangi? That was me. Um, I think it already got a category runner-up. And I just, you know, I haven't played enough of it. You know, I love that this game exists and I yeah. do want to spend a little more time with it. And I, I, I love just like... I love 
this game at the edges, at the periphery of what it is. Yep. I love like the little the little bits of it that are so interesting and subversive, and the style is so interesting. Um, I don't, and this is probably my fault, but I don't really know yet what it's trying to say and how it's trying to say it within the game itself. And I feel like that's kind of like, that's on me. I just can't really make the case for it yet. And it may be that I just end up not really vibing with it, but yeah. um, I just don't think I'm, I'm equipped to do that yet. I like what you said about it, liking it on the edges, having gone through it. I think there was a problem with it being compelling enough to having a compelling enough vision to want to engage on a deeper level with it, where I'm sure I would have found more I liked. So I don't think it's just you. Um, I think that, yes, I'm glad it exists too. It is a unique vision for sure, but it definitely as great of a job as was done by such a small scrappy team. You know, that just doesn't mean that it's a great game and a top 10 game, but it's an experience that I definitely encourage others to try, even though I ended up being kind of, um, dismissive of it at the end mm-hmm. so paradise killer nick would you want to keep that uh no <laughs> i was very disappointed with that game by the end but i sure liked a lot of it up to you know through the first 10 hours I just about... really wish it had been a Danganronpa from an indie studio with like that same level <laughs> of consideration to the trial mechanics and the investigation mechanics and the characters really, who some of them really work and some of them really don't. I think. But it's cool to it, see it, others take on that genre. But to see, yeah, to see an indie studio do such a bold rendition of that kind of thing and make it their own too, I think that, that's definitely worth celebrating. It's an honorable mention for me for sure, but I don't think it's a top ten game. Do you want to fight for a Spelunky for now? I can't, man. I'm only on level two. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really bad at Spelunky 2, and I, I almost beat Spelunky 1, so I don't know. Which is cool for those who are into that experience that you have to start over, yeah, that's what, essentially. That's what I was wondering in the prior conversation about Spelunky 2 is, like, is it maybe pulling the ladder up a little bit too far from the, the introduction or to, to people who are new or people who aren't gods of Spelunky 1 already? I don't think so. I actually don't think it's any harder to start with than Spelunky One. It's just different. Yeah, and I think if you if you played Spelunky One, it's actually harder. I think to start with Spelunky Two because the, You're the first area sure looks like the first one, but it's so different functionally. You have to unlearn stuff. Yeah. I haven't played Spelunky Two because it's only on PlayStation Four, and that's just not where I want to play those type of games anymore. Mm-hmm. But based on the critical reaction to that game, I think it would have gotten a lot more attention a year where Hades did. <laughs> 80s, 80s. Yeah, that yeah, was it bad kind of time. feels like it just fell off the map. Like I forgot it released until we started talking about it for Game of the Year. Yeah, I my friends who are really into Spelunky swear by Spelunky too. They love it. They think it's like really good. But man, I played that and I played Hades and I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna keep playing Hades for like the next <laughs> 95 hours or something and then I'll come back to Spelunky too. And I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, I I have nothing but the most respect. I mean this sincerely for Derek Yu's design. Yeah, like. Splunky 1 is like a perfect game, or as close genius. to it as I've ever seen. And I think Splunky 2 is as close to a perfect sequel to a perf- perfect game, probably, as I've seen. I just haven't seen nearly enough to be able to say that with authority. Um, so, Spencer's well, it's, time. It's, it's down to me to, to let go of my remaining two, but I'm going to 
you don't have to no. let him go. I just, yeah. You need to make a good case yeah. for him because I'll, I'll, in all honesty, I'll probably never experience Half-Life out. Mm-hmm. I don't have a VR headset. I don't have interest in a VR headset. That sort of experience just, just doesn't fit into my lifestyle. Shit, I would have but gotten an Oculus here. if Facebook didn't require you to have Facebook login to Oculus now. Yeah, that got real stupid real fast. I'm kind of looking to sell my um, my Rift S2. Fache book. Um, So Half-Life Alex is, I would say, the first triple-A VR game. It is the first one to have a level of polish and fit and finish that so many VR games are just kind of novelties. Yep. Like, here's a shooting gallery. Or, oh, here's a little dungeon thing and you swing it uh, swing a sword. Um, here's uh, your scuba diving, and you get to un- experience underwater. So it's it's really about a simple activity, or it's about an environment that you just inhabit. Um, there are of course exceptions, but I would say the majority of VR games falls into that category. Um, Alex, like the the environment that you're in. The, the prequel of uh, Half-Life 2. Like, it's extremely real. It's extremely gripping. Um, I've, you know, I encountered a few minor technical hitches here and there. That's mostly because of the way that my headset works. But, like, the, the level of tension when you go to fire and you're empty. And then you have to physically drop the magazine out of your gun and reach back and grab another magazine and reload it as quickly as you can or like move away physically move away from the thing that's advancing on you um is just unbelievable like the the experience that that creates is unlike anything else i've ever experienced it's the it's the first finally the vr killer app i would say yes and i i think unfortunately what it means is that there's a killer app, and there is not a headset widely enough available for it, um, for that experience. The other VR killer app, I would say, is Beat Saber, yeah. which is way more accessible, mm-hmm. way simpler. Tetris Effect? Yeah. It works really well in VR, but it's you get the you don't need VR to get what Tetris Effect is, mm-hmm. or to play it. Yeah, so, Tetris Effect is just enhanced by VR. Mm-hmm. It's not a VR experience. Right, right. So... Ultimately, those are—I would say—those are the two strata. Is you have Beat Saber, which is easier to run on lower-end hardware, very easy to get into, and then you have Alex, which is—I hate to say this, but it, it is really the best way to describe it. It is an experience for gamers. It is that type of like if you are a person who wants to immerse yourself in an environment, this is the game to do that with, and that does mean you're going to need. Pretty solid hardware to be able to do it. Yeah. yeah. But the reward for it this is, is going to be really good. This is not me saying it excludes it from Game of the Year discussions, but there is a part of me that because I enjoyed Half-Life 1 so much, because I enjoyed Half-Life 2 and the episodes so much, there is a lingering bitterness in me to knowing that I'll probably never experience Half-Life Alex. And to know that there is a continuation of that world, of that story, that just feels utterly inaccessible yeah. to me. Yeah. 
I get that feeling. Like mm-hmm. people I don't have think worked there's... hard to mod it to be playable without VR. Hmm. Ultimately, though, I mean, yes, and ultimately, that kind of kills it. Like that, yeah. that, that's the thing yeah. is that this is so crafted to be a VR game. Yeah. I. That it if you sounds play like, like Half-Life Alex wouldn't even exist if it wasn't. I think the comparison yeah. you could draw possibly would be some rhythm and music games that were designed with the input lag of CRTs or designed specifically to work with CRTs, but then LCDs and newer technology just destroys. I mean, ultimately, I, I get that. I see where you're coming from, but it's kind of the opposite direction. Right, right, right. Th- this is, I mean, it's ultimately almost an elitist thing. Like, until... You know, it's a bourgeois video game. Yeah, you love Half Life. You have the hardware. You can afford the headset. You're mm-hmm. very minimal. Uh, you are one percent. Well, yeah, you have a big open yeah, room. It is a bourgeois thing because it only exists because a developer like Valve can afford to chuck this much money at an experience and that make their own hardware. People won't play. Yeah, yeah, because they don't care about selling copies. Like this isn't about selling. Half-Life they can afford out. to support this project. Doing something that they want to do. Yeah, I think that there's a good conversation to be had there, but I don't necessarily think that like Valve's, you know, devil may care libertarian ways <laughs> necessarily should like, you know, be rewarded. Paint this game in a negative light. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think it it shouldn't invalidate the art. No. Yeah. Like, but yes, it's hard knowing full well that. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Please continue. I'm just saying, based on your arguments, knowing that I'll never experience this, I still think that this is easily a top 10 contender. Mm-hmm. And there are other games that have more votes that I would argue against before I would consider Half-Life Alex not in Yeah, I think anybody said that yeah. we wouldn't want to play this if we could. Like, I think everybody, like you're saying, Tyler, like, I would love to be able to play this, actually. I wish I could have. Me too. And I just, you know, for all of our reasons why we don't have the setup to do that, yes, it doesn't mean because we can't have access to it. Just like we couldn't, we can't get PS5s, we can't play Demon's Souls, doesn't mean that that couldn't be a contender. But there's always going to be that element where we don't have access to something, we'll never play all the games. But, um, yeah. I, the difference with Demon Souls is that literally none of us have played Demon's yeah. Souls. Yeah, yeah, that does that does make the, it easier. The to one, explain. so I'm curious. Oh, sorry, go ahead. As the one thing I would add in with Half Life, Half Life Alex is, it's it was set to release right when the world ended, like the preview <laughs> cycle was going through February, and I think there are multiple websites where like or you know like we, we I follow Giant Bomb pretty co- pretty closely. I think they had to leave behind a headset that um, Valve had sent them in their mail room at their office because they aren't allowed to work there anymore. So the whole like story behind this game and the hype behind this game just stopped because the world stopped right when it was supposed to be coming out and, and hitting its crescendo of sorts. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah. Spencer, so I, I think Half-Life makes sense. You know, I don't mind where Tyler was going, perhaps. The idea of Half-Life Alex perhaps placing somewhere lower, let's just say, on the list. Mm-hmm. because of a moment where vr has truly proven itself in that sort of like here is the game that defines vr and beat saber others have been there but everything else i've read too it seems like this is the justification of that vision of vr that immersive experience that people have been waiting for even yeah. if you have had a, a headset like say nick and have enjoyed many experiences this is the the broader mainstream 
application, even though not everybody can have access to it. So that story right. makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that for now. How do you feel about that versus Doom Eternal? Doom Eternal ultimately is going to be more of an uphill battle because more of you played it and more of you didn't like it. Um, I think that it's worth noting in terms of its mechanical near perfection. Uh, this, this is where I come from because uh, the story is nonsense. And got really, really weird. Apparently, Doom Guy in this in 2016 canon is the Doom Guy from N64. Yeah, where did all the lore come from? That like oh, I don't know. It's all nonsense. It's okay. all complete fucking bullshit. Like they just made up some shit and then you blow your load into Mars. It, it's it's whatever it is. Um, it's got decent I went voice acting. Doom 2016, and there's a quite a bit of lore there. I just completely ignored it my first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed I did, it like I... in the like like I enjoyed the control lore a lot. You know, it had a very tongue-in-cheek dystopian empire kind of feel to it. Mm. I am I, concerned I, I... about the average person who has internalized and remembered Doom lore to immediately get something out of Doom Eternal. Like, who is that person? Are we no, friends? Nobody. nobody is that Don't person. So. Nobody okay. is that person. Okay. As Friendship person ended with Doom guy. Doom <laughs> <laughs> Nobody is that person. Um, so, I would say the story is very goofy. The uh, I don't think it takes itself too seriously, but I would say it takes itself a little bit more seriously than 2016. But, overall, like, pound for pound, just as a first-person shooter that you have to engage with on its terms... Um, when you get into the rhythm of it, Doom Eternal is the most exhilarating first-person shooter I may have ever played. Like, it puts so many mechanics in front of you, and on just Nightmare difficulty, not Ultra Nightmare, not Hell, like, just Nightmare difficulty. It, it basically redlines me. Like, between my physical ability to manipulate the controls and my mental ability to time things out, prioritize targets, uh, use every mechanic at my disposal, it puts me into a fugue state where I have no additional processing available. I am using <laughs> every faculty I have to play video games to play video games. There's no listening to other music. There's no... Like, there's so many games that I play where I can just be doing something else. Like... For contrast's sake, World of Warcraft is muscle memory. I can do World of Warcraft while I do any other thing that He's doesn't... He's doing it right now. <laughs> I, I could be. I literally could be. Uh, Doom Eternal requires everything. And in doing so, when you play it successfully, when you get through uh, a, a set of fights and you win, you just like exhale. It's just like you've been holding your breath the entire time. Um, that being said, it does this without becoming inaccessible, as insane as that sounds, where it does not decry you for picking a lower difficulty. It does not, like, you can change the difficulty at literally any time. You can stop mid-battle, lower the difficulty, complete the fight if you care to. Uh, if you die a number of times in one place, it offers you uh, Slayer Armor. Basically, just a big, big health boost 
It does not prevent you from getting achievements. It does not say, oh, you're, you're a weakling and a coward. Uh, here's something to help you out. It just goes, hey, this is a power fantasy. You are the slayer. You're killing a bunch of demons. Do you want this? Here you go. Um, so more, more progressive than Wolfenstein. More, more progressive than Wolfenstein. So ultimately, it is a degree of mechanical perfection for somebody like me who is wired for first-person shooters more than anything else that also does not seek to exclude anybody who is not at my level of engagement with the, the um, uh, genre. And so yeah. that's, that's where I come from uh, with regard to Doom Eternal. I, I, it, it was it, the, it, uh, not to like quote anything that makes anybody uncomfortable, but like, this hole was meant for me. This is my hole. Like that's the way I feel about Doom Eternal. Because why would I be uncomfortable? I, I realize that nobody else here liked it, but that that state, that like just being completely put to my limit and held there, um, is like nothing else I've experienced. Well, so I think I'm the only other one that finished it. Right? Did anybody else here beat it? No. Okay. Everything Spencer said, I think, is where where I understand that and where I think I differed by the end of the experience is the mechanical perfection that I felt in 2016, to me, became overburdened and exhausting by adding platforming, lore, other stuff that, while lore isn't a gameplay experience, it just felt like too much that the lessons they learned from 2016 were not to keep it tight, even though the mechanics themselves are still, the shooting is great. The shooting remains amazing. Mm -hmm. That hasn't changed and that has been enhanced, but everything else just felt too much. And it felt like if I didn't care about doom, if I wasn't already invested, it just as somebody who hasn't played a doom until 2016 for, you know, since probably the first one, it was never a series that I was directly connected to. I guess I played doom three when it came out, whatever, but I was just so forward with 2016, it felt modern, it felt fast and fresh, and then the follow-up is just more. And I didn't want more in that way, and I didn't want all this plot crap, and just, it, I just was tired by the end of it. And not in the good way, like Spencer's saying, of a, a really intense fight, you are jumping around, you're grabbing power-ups, you're switching weapons, you're using alt-fire, you're whatever you're doing to make that, that uh, match to, to win that battle. Like, that's fine. But everything else was just a chore for me to get through. And I don't know why. I, I don't know why. Again, it feels weird to have loved 2016, think that tw- the 2020 version of adding more would be right up my alley, and just by the end of it going, just being disappointed, I guess. It was too much yeah. for me. And, and not to like walk back or like dismantle my own um, arguments or anything, but like I completely see where you're coming from there, insofar as the combat is what really stuck in my mind. The combat is really why I loved Doom Eternal. Um, the story was a lot of me just going, LOL, who's this guy? <laughs> like, that was my reaction over and over. Like, I was happy Vega came back. Um, my laptop is named Vega because I, I like Vega, the AI, so much. Um, Claw. Snarky they, asshole. They, yeah. got, they got back the, the, um, the doctor, you know, whatever his fucking name is, the CEO guy. I like him. Um, but like, the story was real stupid, where it's like, oh, I guess I'm in heaven now. Yeah, whatever. Um, and I never felt 
uh, cheated um, when I died in combat. I, I yeah. think maybe the most frustrated I got was um, against one of the uh, hunters. The, mm-hmm. you know, the axe guys. Yeah. Yeah, those, those guys are a bit of a pain in the ass. But there were moments of the platforming where I got intensely frustrated. Yes. Like, where this is, like, what's this bullshit? I just want to get to the next fight so that I can just get into that same state again. So... It was so yeah. choppy and, like, um, malformed compared to the amazing shooting. It was like, why did they even add this other than we had to add something kind of new spin? We, it, we needed yeah. you to traverse to the next area, and we didn't want it to be easy. Yeah, so... I think I can include it as an honorable mention. I can... Like, I just, if they, if somebody mods it and like pulls out all the platforming sections <laughs> and it's just a room attack where you just do the fights in sequence, that would be unbelievable. That would be an amazing version. I think you made a great case for Half-Life Alex for now too, comparatively. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one last thing I want to say as someone who played like two to three hours of Doom Eternal, um, I love the combat flow in that game i was playing on ultra violence it felt just at the right level of challenge for me <laughs> yeah having yeah. come from 2016 um i was really pushing myself but still like really feeling in control it was just the when, when the combat ended i was like oh i guess this fight's over whereas in 2016 it felt more natural like when i was getting mm-hmm. to the end of an encounter and then the traversal and the climbing and all that stuff just felt like a little bit off to me the secret mm-hmm. discovery felt a little bit less like whimsical and organic to me like like i don't really like pursuing question marks floating in the air that didn't really feel very yeah. fun to me yeah uh, it just felt it just felt like tonal i think it was tone for me and like mm-hmm. kind of like flow felt worse to me than in 2016 although the combat itself the encounters yeah. as sharp as ever if not better and so just to add, a, to add a footnote in there um the basis of their multiplayer and the multiplayer when it worked is really really good mm-hmm. and their servers were absolute dog shit <laughs> so unless i did a private game with just me and a couple friends trying to connect with somebody it became a laggy fucking mess and it was a shame because that concept of two demons versus one slayer really fun when it works so all right anyway. sounds like a good hm then yeah yeah and cool. an hm it is we can move on which means we're down to 14. Nice. All right. Those are, for those listening, uh, Hades, Animal Crossing New Horizons, The Last of Us Part Two, Paper Mario, The Origami King, Kentucky Route Zero, Final Fantasy VII Remake, White Ocean, Big Jacket, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, Star Wars Squadrons, Half-Life Alex, Ghost of Tsushima, Disco Elysium, Crusader Kings 3, and Blaseball. I know there's there's two that Tyler are gunning for. Are, are we going to the haterade portion where it becomes more about what we want to keep off than what we want to keep on? I think this is usually where we get there, unfortunately. It, it is a, approaching that moment. I mean, sure. we, 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 we target to get to a top ten, so we got to cut four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. So, does anyone think that Hades does not belong? Sounds like nobody. Yeah. I know Aaron isn't especially a huge fan, but I don't think even he's going to disagree with that. Uh, similarly, who didn't vote for Animal Crossing? Because there's four I think that's Spencer. There. Yeah, I, I didn't play it directly. 
Um, but I have no objection. Are you anti Animal Crossing, no. Spencer? No, I I purchased okay. it for my partner. Hmm. I, okay, so it sounds like those are both pretty solid locks for the top ten because mm-hmm. both of them have four votes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last of Us Part Two. I know Nick is against it in the top ten. Uh, I think I actually voted for it. See, I'm kind of against it. I'm also because, against it. Yeah, I, a human misery simulator is not the type of thing I feel like rewarding in 2020. That's not what it is, though, in my mind. Mm. I think I think the more I think about The Last of Us Part Two, the more I feel like it contains multitudes, and there are things I think it really did poorly, and I think there are things it did marvelously. But Misery was not something I felt while playing it. It was more just sort of like... I think, if anything, that game was really about trying to create... to explore empathy and where that comes mm-hmm. from. And okay. it didn't always hit the mark. I think it crucially missed it in a big way towards the end. But... Um, I think it. I, I still stand by overall. I think this is like in a, the eight to ten range for me on our top ten. Okay. Yeah. Um, I definitely think it's a top ten contender. I think there are a lot of ways that it could have been better, ways that it doesn't succeed, but it tries things. It takes risks that you do not see games of this caliber taking. Let's and let's. I hope that Neil Druckmann is not in charge of the next Naughty Dog game, but. It's very much left in a place where I hope there will be. Didn't he just get moved up to like co-director or something in the studio? He got a big promotion. I'm sure he's going to remain in power because this is still a very well-regarded game, and I'm sure it's still sold very well. Uh, But there's always let's keep moving. Let's keep projects going on at Naughty Dog. I'll reduce it to a half of an A. So (laughs) whatever. (laughs) So I know Tyler doesn't want Paper Mario: The Origami King. Does anyone else want to shoot this down? I don't want to shoot it down, but I don't feel passionately about it, even though I'm enjoying my time with it. Well, let's, I haven't finished it. Let's keep so. moving. Let's get the vote going so that we can then discuss. Mm-hmm. Is anyone against Kentucky Rats? Being in the top ten. I feel like after all this time, like it has to be on the top well, ten. Well, it has it to, to be, to be but I don't think anyone's against it, specifically. No. I mean, spe- so specifically, it, it seems like Kentucky Rats Zero does enough and sticks the landing to actually make the top ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. FF7 remake. Is anyone? I'm like a little torn on this, but I, in my heart, it's like in the bottom half of this list. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna formalize an objection to it yet. I don't particularly care for Final Fantasy, but I. We I'm we know fight, we know your feelings, son. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm sorry. I also need to remember these are just the nays. These are not like the yeah. yes why. We're already pretty close to having it, it, 10 it games. It is even in, like, I think it's a bottom tier. Like, yeah. this is literally, like, I don't think it's a yep. top 10. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree with this yet, so let's keep going. All right, so zero for that. Wide Ocean Big Jacket? Any objections? I mean, I... No objections. I haven't nope. played it yet, but I can see 10 other games, I think, based off of what I have experienced and what I've heard today that should you be can, on there instead. You can put a one. Yeah, good one. There's right, no wrong answer. There you go. We will castigate Doug later. Sure. You son of a bitch. I'm just doing math. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2? Nay. It's a nay from, from Nick? Goli. Squadrons? Mm. Nick, are you asking I'm going to be a nay on this too. I think it got the category it deserves. Uh, is anyone opposed to Alex? I mean, even though I said Spencer made a good argument, I'll say nay just because I still, you know, want to keep it spicy. Oh, you bastard. 
Uh, ghost, who would not, who would prefer not to see Ghost in our top ten? I think there's enough love for it here that I'll just let it slide. It's I don't think it belongs in the top ten, but I'm okay with it. Well, that's an A then. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. All right, all right, fine. (laughs) Literally, what this system is supposed to be. I just don't want to be the only naysayer. Well, you already were for squadrons. (laughs) (laughs) It's the role that you inhabit, Nick. Sometimes you're the hero we need, not the one we want. Um, Disco Elysium. Is anyone anti-disco? I mean, I think the collective shame of fucking up so bad by leaving it off last year is going to keep it in here. But again, don't yeah, let me, that the only be thing that keeps, the reason. The only thing that keeps Disco and Tony Hawk off for me are if you want to be nitpicky about the way this list has worked in the mm-hmm. past. But otherwise, no. Yeah. Um, Crusader Kings 3. Honestly. Go for it. I, yeah, I, I don't know that it, like, I haven't played it yet. Um, personally, as far as games by the studio go i'm way more into stellaris i'm way more into their sci-fi um i don't think those games really get good until like a year after release like uh, they're they're excellent and i enjoy them a lot and i do not think that they belong in like positive reviews until they've had a year to mature and get more content and so forth spencer are you counting your vote as two or is there something Me. else here? i was i have not entered it I have not entered anything. Okay. Uh, you can put one in for me, uh, too. I don't think I, I would put this in the top ten. Okay. It, it's hard for me because I did play Crusader Kings 2 quite a bit with expansions, and I I haven't played Crusader Kings 3, so I don't know what it does. It's, more, it's fascinating to me, too, because I would think this is catnip for Spencer, and Nick bought the game, and I've been enjoying it. So, But, you know, this <laughs> is this is where we are for the moment. So. And, uh, I, and... I struggle with fantasy. Anyway. I'm, I'm anti blades well, it's not actually fantasy. No, I'm anti people in castles, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Historical fiction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm anti baseball. Anybody else? Didn't think so. Alright, haters to the left. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've got a few things here that can just be put onto yeah. the list, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, uh, well, Disco is definitely going to show up because no one is standing in the way of that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like anybody is standing in the way of uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I know Spencer was like, eh, I don't really like tem- Final Fantasy. I was tempted, but. but he I wants to give the Weeaboos a bone. I just want to keep them out of my mentions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that means there's probably five then, names on this uh, list already. Five, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. This looks like Crusader Kings is going to have an uphill battle. So yeah, I'm sure Aaron, you're the you're the stand, yeah. Yeah, of the group. Uh, again, I haven't played more than maybe three hours, and I don't know at what length of time you can feel qualified to feel like you have seen enough of that game, right? Like it's meant to be played for years, like Crusader Kings Two was. Yep. So. You know, um, I think it's a bit of um, my impressions, again, are colored by the fact that this is the first time I've played one of these games. Um, The narratives that I'm seeing for my kingdom and character are very interesting. I like the cacophony and the anarchy and the insanity. Um, But, you know, 
yeah, I don't know what else I can say that would make it stay. And if it stayed, it'd probably be well, like ten. And we're not saying who else nominated. We're, we're not saying it's a bad game, just that yeah, it's no, we're it's never saying it. that about games that don't make it up. Yeah, on the list. So was it was it Nick the other who, nominator? I think originally it was. Yeah, but I'm going against it. I just I I'm, I've also played three hours, but I'm still in the tutorial. Like it's that one of those kind of games where like I really would have need needed to sink forty plus hours into have a rough idea because I didn't play a whole lot of CK two um, for for comparison. And I will I say that apparently they have made to. strides in the accessibility of these games with the third one. Yeah, and that was one of the things that was mentioned in reviews at release, like. While Crusader it Kings definitely took me a while to get the hang of. Yeah, two. that was kind of the the thing is two found its audience, but it was hard to get into. I found three easy like, to get into. I just haven't had time to kind of date myself and Crusader Kings too. I think I started playing that because of the praises that Idle Thumbs sang about it. I mean, I've I've enjoyed reading let's plays of the Paradox games, including people completing the whole Paradox challenge back in the day. And it's, they're good stuff. They're good. They're interesting how you can, and powerful with what you can use. But, I mean, it's it's not like somebody here has played for 100 hours this year and is really defending. Yeah. Yeah. That could go off for 10 minutes about their favorite stories. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. Are we going to tackle Last of Us as the next most votes? Uh, so, it, who... Spencer, you're the half. I'm the hand. Doug, you said yes. nay. So Doug, why why do you think it deserves to stay off? I maybe it's personal taste, maybe it's personal politics. I'm not happy with thinking about that topic or that type of a a survival and zombie style game in the year 2020. And what I have heard because I've listened to far too much criticism and read far too much criticism about this game because it's a huge topic. Um, I'm not super into the point of view that the author is coming from and what they're trying to get to in terms of saying with what they're saying in the game, to my knowledge. Which is what? Trying to say like a both sides are bad or both sides are capable of evil in certain ways or basing opinion on what's it's trying to remember the exact details so i don't get myself into trouble i understand your point of view there i don't think that it's worthwhile to say that the game has a both sides message because it's not like bioshock where it's picking a very particular political issue to point at and say hey you're too far right you're too far left like you're both you both need to meet somewhere in the middle. This isn't a game about centers. It's more about humanity is, is itself a gray area, which is like every apocalyptic story, right? Rather than like you're saying, Tyler, there isn't a specific political issue. It's not even talking about of any issues it could... I don't even know what issues it would be focusing on other than survival. Yeah. But but I'm really with... Well, I think that... Oh, go ahead. I think there is a message there about can you come to empathize with someone who has done you tremendous mm-hmm. harm? And can you, are you capable of seeing from their point of view? At no point is the game trying to make you forgive Abby uh, or even Ellie. Like, you, by the end of that experience, you see that they have both done tremendous harm in their lives. But it does draw attention to the fact that 
Abby makes a clear choice to evolve, to mature, to heal, and to let that anger go and to try to move past it. And then Ellie can't. And that contrast between the two characters, like, even though, like Nick pointed out, like the ending uh, kind of damages that message to a certain degree, but I think that they are even kind of trying to engage in that kind of conversation. It's just not something that I see games trying to do. The hardest part, at least not at that for game. me with Last of Us 2, was though the story had its faults, I think it ended fine. I was fine with the ending, but mm-hmm. it, it, the whole experience was built on the creaky foundation of the first game mechanically and just the set mm-hmm. pieces and the design. It just felt, it didn't feel. I don't know. It just felt old, and I didn't really feel engaged with the actual gameplay of the game in a way that I felt with the first one. And the story that they wanted to tell, I felt, was um, impeded by the actual act of playing The Last of Us 2. Interesting. I was pretty critical of The Last of Us 1 at the time, and then I went back and replayed it and felt pretty strongly that that was a really strong game mechanically. And coming into the sequel, I was like, okay, but more of this probably is just going to feel stale to me. And for some reason, it just, I felt very engaged the whole way through, even though I saw the familiarity of like, okay, this is a, a walk and talk section. This is yeah. a scavenge section. This is a encounter section. But um, I I feel like the, the little tweaks they made were enough for me. And maybe I just wasn't thinking too critically there, but it worked well for me for what it's worth. And I, I platinum both games. I played them both on like the what they call the grounded mode, which is the most extreme difficulty. And I know you can't make a case that a game needs to be played on a certain difficulty to really truly experience it. But I do think that similar to what Spencer was saying about Doom, when you are playing games at a specifically crafted difficulty, you are creating a different experience for yourself. And I found that with Last of Us more worthwhile because i like experience the narrative on a lower difficulty because i want to see that story but then when i start playing through it on the other difficulty it becomes more about that human survival and like you get to the point where everything you find matters every bullet matters every movement that you make in a combat scenario matters and last of us two even more so than last of us one because they have a permadeath mode I'm too much of a coward to play on full permadeath mode. Races like are safe. chapter permadeath mode. So if I died during a chapter, I'd have to start from the beginning of the chapter. So it was more of like kind of like a old school like cartridge uh, level uh, style rather than like a full like we're gonna wipe your entire save model. But it was still enough to create that tension for me that uh, really changed the experience. Meanwhile, I played on like the lowest difficulty with all the assists on from the accessibility options that I had. Love that. <laughs> that was great. Spencer has something, I think. Yeah. Uh, mechanically, like, I remember loving Last of Us. Like, the, the first one. I I thought it was mechanically great. It actually got me to use my PlayStation 3, which is something <laughs> that only happened, like, three times that generation. Um, I, I had a good time with it. Uh, however, and he, even with regard to, like, aside... Tyler's note that it's more about that core story. It's more about those characters. You know, can you empathize? One character can, the other cannot. Um, I, overall, I really vibe with Doug, where the setting of the story 
where it's desolation, it's bleak, there's zombies everywhere, but the real monster is man. I am sick to fucking death of that. I am so completely sick of the zombie genre. I'm just tired of it. Like, that attitude, and this is, you know, this is becoming less about the game, but that attitude has so permeated our society at this point that I am desperate for it to end. And well, to, to support types that, of media though, are so saturated. Just to support and weakness. entertain that, like, is is there I, a point yeah. with 2020 that there is a representation of our list that bears more weight than in the usual year? I'm not saying that because it's 2020, we shouldn't put certain games on the list, but I just wonder about that. Like, this is a remarkable year, and I think I'm curious what our list would look like to us in retrospect five years from now. And I just wonder how much of that weighs on, on any of the decisions that we'll make. And is last of us something that um, did either resonate with what we've experienced in 2020 in a way that bears mentioning and giving it an accolade or to that point is just too representative of 2020 that we want to bury it for all time. The other point, if that, if that matters at all, the other point to build on, what Spencer mentioned just now and what I mentioned before is I commentary and criticism I've heard through uh, waypoint specifically has people analyzing it and breaking it down as uh, the game is an allegory for Jewish and Israeli experience and not the no. whole game. Like one subplot okay. yeah. is part of that. There are two tribes that you are not a part of for most of the game that are in conflict and there are parallels to the Israeli-Palestine conflict that doesn't work. They are correct in that regard. It wasn't something that was apparent to me on the first playthrough, but uh, in hindsight, knowing what I know now about Neil Druckmann and seeing the references to Judaism in the game, it does make a bit more sense, but it's not super evident. It's not uh, like kind of rubbing your face in it. Like, see, it's just like this. Like, it's just like, it's a much more minor part of the game. Yeah, there's a strip yeah. club in Seattle yeah. called the Gaza Strip. It's very overt. <laughs> it's a game, though, where, like, I think, like Tyler said, it's really trying to aim for things that games don't engage with. They just stay the hell away from it. And I think it's trying to say some things that I think are actually quite important in 2020. Like, it's trying to talk about the nature of forgiveness and the, the importance of solidarity. And uh, it shows you what happens when those things fall apart and how fragile they are. In a really and the thing. danger of rugged individualism. Yeah. And, and also, uh, Nick, to your point, um, at the end of the game, so the, the parallel between Israel and Palestine is the WLF, who Abby is a part of, they're like a bunch of ex-fireflies uh, who have formed like a paramilitary uh, group. And then there's these, uh, this like basically cultist kind of like religious zealots that exist on an island off of Seattle, probably Vashon or something. Mm -hmm. And they are constantly in conflict. And there are parallels to be seen, especially if you're picking up the notes and you're reading all that. The game ends where Abby has uh, basically befriended and sort of pseudo-adopted uh, one of the cultists because that cultist uh, came out as trans and the cult did not approve of their uh, choice. And so Abby is choosing to protect this child the WLF is invading the island, trying to end the cult once and for all. And they see Abby, they see the child, and they make they kill the child's sister, who's also been a companion of yours. And they make an effort to kill the boy as well. And Abby kills her former boss, 
uh, to protect this boy. Abby makes a very deliberate choice. You are my family. I am choosing to protect you. I am seeing your humanity mm-hmm. as a person rather than a member of this group. And so, again, this is a game about empathy. It's about a game about saying, I am looking beyond that sort of tribalism that we engage with as a species, and I am seeing you as a person who has been harmed and someone who is worth protecting. And the subplot of trans representation, I think, was one of the better aspects. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But of the game, I was surprised that it felt more subtle than I would have expected. yeah, I, I think that Lev's story could have been handled a little bit better, mm-hmm. especially because you don't ever see his final altercation with his mother. Yeah. But yeah, it was handled sensitively, relatively speaking. And again, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue you don't see brought up in a lot of games, especially in the triple. And I read too that, like you're saying, the relationship with Abby and Lev was supposed to mirror what happened with Joel and Ellie in the first mm-hmm. game in terms of, it, yeah, you have it, this person definitely protecting does, yeah. and, so it, narratively, it helps book in the first game. So I get that. So, I mean, does it sound like so far it's definitely not being cut, right? Is where we're going with this. I don't think it's ready to be cut. I think there's other stuff I'd be more confident cutting okay. based on the arguments I've heard. I do, I do want to be clear. This is not game of the year. I don't think it's anywhere close to number one. But I do think... No, it has too many missteps yeah, for yeah. that. But I think it deserves recognition. It's remarkable, too, because I think the first game placed second or third on our list originally, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not a, uh, yeah, it's not a, um, doesn't get fine colors. kind of expected before it came out that it would be a shoe-in. So, yeah, that it came out and was as divisive as it was is both to its credit and a knock. And probably representative of its rocky development, right? Yeah, don't maybe haven't yeah. even mentioned that. So, okay. Yeah. I find it hard to specifically criticize individual games for crunch because that is not something that we have a fully clear picture of. Mm-hmm. And especially in the AAA space, like Oh, I didn't even mean crunch, I just meant how really it changed hands. Oh. Um, quite a few times in direction, right? Didn't they completely start over from an original but there was a lot going on. Did there. they? I thought it was always a Druckmann project because he was the lead on the original one, and he I thought was Amy the lead had... on the. No, you're thinking of Uncharted Four. I thought... Why did that that started? As I a thought there was something else that happened with it, but it was... yeah. So either way, yeah. Okay. Uh, so other games, um... Paper Mario. Okay, so <laughs> I just really actively dislike playing that game. Uh, the writing, like you guys said, it's good. Uh, the music, it didn't stand out for me, but it's fine. Uh, I just hate the combat, and it happens all the time. I told Doug, like, if it happened occasionally, or if it was only for boss battles, I could probably forgive it. But I just don't enjoy having to solve those little ring puzzles at the start of every fucking uh, combat scenario and I know that there's eventually a power you can unlock to overcome that but that hope and the writing and the atmosphere of the game is not enough to drag me across that I'm just it's playing the game feels like a chore to me and this is Nintendo like Nintendo makes fun games it's not like oh we're like 
punishing Nintendo for really striking out and trying new things. Like, it's another fucking Paper Mario game. If anything, I wish they would be more conservative and make an actual another Paper Mario game. But instead they keep giving us this random-ass bullshit with, like... We've just joined the 4chan games channel. But so, let, let me talk a little bit about Paper Mario, because I think I was the first one of us to be like, oh, wait, they made a good one of these again. And I, uh, up until the very last dungeon, I thought this was my game of the year, sincerely. And uh, I would, you know, I would probably say Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, back in like 2000 whatever, was probably also my game of the year that year too. Because um, that game rules. And I think, Tyler, you and I would probably agree that Paper Mario Thousand Year Door is like extremely good. Um yeah that game is an all-timer and this is the first game in this series or not that made me feel like that same kind of like joy and just like exploring and seeing things unfold and like all the cleverness of the characters and the the scenes that play out and the dialogue that i was just like oh wow this feels like they took what made that so good and they found a new way to show it and to to for me to engage with it and i for me the combat system i was a little on the fence about originally and then like after about two or three hours with it i was like okay i get it and i really like it and i realized it's not really it's not all that different from like final fantasy or persona where you're like okay i gotta find the right approach to kill these enemies and if i get it right they'll just be pushovers and if i screw it up it's gonna take a while i'm gonna suck mm-hmm. like in persona it's like what weakness do they have what elemental affinity do they have and this is just like okay what's the geometric pattern i need to like you know and how, how do i get there in the fewest number of steps it feels like I have to solve a goddamn Rubik's Cube every time I want to start a battle. It's just not I, innately... I cubes. A pattern recognition is not... I don't know if it's not your thing in general, but in this context, it doesn't sound like it is. So, yeah, of course you can't overcome that. You're not going to want to keep playing something that's not fun to you. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not a great game. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved it. I loved every area. I thought that it did such a great job of like mixing things up as you go from place to place. The dungeons were really, really well designed. The characters, you know, the supplemental characters were a little limited, but I really loved just like the, the weirdness of the toads really came to the forefront. A lot of great, just like comedic timing. The, the toad hunting is a little bit obnoxious because some of them are hidden in such a way that if you're not using like the hint detector, like how would you ever think to look there i guess i I enjoyed that though because i got more than enough on my first way through and then if i wanted to go back and find more i could use the equipment yep nick you had said that before the ending this was probably your game of the year so that obviously changed is where is this does this rank still higher or lower on a list for you though now this is already a bottom five game for me so that's fair i think i wouldn't fight to put it above top five yeah i'm not against it i've only played maybe three hours i don't remember where i last left off i want to finish it the battle system aaron were you the third vote there then yeah the battle system hasn't bothered me um i kind of like the challenge a little bit um i thought i would hate it because i know that i read from reviews that it could be you either like it or you don't yeah um which is like they, they say that's the whole point with these games is they experiment and they change up the formula every time especially with battles and I, you know, that's cool. I like that. So we all want the OG Paper Mario, but we're not going to get that. So I don't want to. I don't want to knock the game for not being the game that we all liked in two thousand three. Um, and so I'm fine with it being on the list. I definitely think it should place toward the lower bottom half, but that's just okay. Right now. 
I think another thing that hurts it for me is similar to the previous two Paper Mario games where I feel like RPGs for me, they require a sense of progression and a sense of agency in how you approach battles. And yeah, there are certain strategies that you're incentivized to use, but you still ultimately have a degree of freedom in how you approach those battles. Whereas every battle I experience in Paper Mario feels like it needs to be played a certain way. When you see this enemy, you have to do this. If you don't do that, you're going to be punished for it. And that just isn't satisfying to me because I don't get to build uh, my Mario in any specific way. So it's much more in line. I don't know, it's just, it's too rigid to me. And I, yeah, if it was just an adventure game, it'd probably be fine. But the battles are just so off-putting to me. And maybe that is just something that's more personal to my tastes. Doug, do you have anything to add? I know you also finished it. Oh, is Doug gone? Sorry, I was just off for a second. What's up? I have anything to add about <laughs> defending Paper Mario. Your dude. game is on the ropes here, dude. <laughs> I I think I can see it as a bottom of the top 10 game. I enjoy, or I didn't enjoy the combat. I didn't have as much problem with it. I thought maybe some of the puzzles or some of the progression is a little bit weird because I had to I did have to go to a guide a couple times just to be understanding like exactly where something was or precisely where something would be. Um, but I, I haven't had a huge history with the Paper Mario games, so I guess this is the first of them sort of speaking through. But I enjoyed the atmosphere. I enjoyed the Rip Taylor simulator, throwing confetti everywhere. You know, I, I, I did enjoy a lot of what was there, so I would hope to see it on the top 10, but I'm not going to cry if it doesn't make it. I'll just throw this out here. I'd rather have baseball on this list than Paper Mario. I would be right there with you. I would rather see yeah, baseball. I'm fine with that. I right. think it's a good honorable mention. Yep. All right. I'm okay with that. Nintendo is going to be just fine whether or not it places a game on our list. <laughs> I mean, this was they were putting all of their their bets on this game, so you know we'll see. Mm-hmm. I I really liked the uh, the carnival the, or the theme park section. I love that you got the VIP and get the VIP entrance every time. Like that's that's fun. That stuff's good. You know who else has a good amusement park section? Near Automata. You should play that. I got it. Oh. Let's talk about Near Automata. That's a game of the year. Um. <laughs> so we have we have five games we kind of put aside as probably safe. We have and then seven more to go. Yeah, we have a few more to go what what's wide ocean big jacket doing to be better than some of the other ones we have here we tend to um elevate those charming indie experiences every year not that that's just a guaranteed slot on the list but as we always try to talk about the variety of the games that we put up as a final list um, you know, we want there to be varying experiences and, um, you know, not just the AAA space, not just the assumed. And as far as games left on this list that um, when I finished them, I felt satisfied. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say optimistic. It sounded like I left and then I, you know, frolicked outside for two hours, um, did backflips and like, but 
as far as leaving me with a feeling of satisfaction, of happiness, of interest, of wanting to see these characters more, of um, really feeling a connection with the story, it's one of the only ones on here to, to me that has a sense of finality and a really well-defined set of uh, cast of characters and doesn't overstay its welcome. So in that vein of games that we've put up before, like Sybil, um, you, know, you name it, that we put in the past uh, on list in past years that's this game for me this year i kind of i think i likened it i reviewed it on steam which i rarely do mm. um to almost kind of a, a version of um, a short hike from last year okay um and similar experience though completely different types of games i'll just add to that like this is a game that is very very perfectly edited down to the absolute bare essentials of what it needs to be to tell its story correctly mm -hmm. and it also is like the most authentic feeling story i think i've seen in a game all year okay. like all the characters despite only seeing them for less than an hour are so vivid and real and they, they say so little but they convey so much in doing so it's just like a very very uh, efficient piece of storytelling that yeah. i just found very enjoyable and the way it tells it too with like the presentation the the way that uh, grammar comes in and out depending on like how fervently someone is expressing something or like capitalization like every word will be capitalized or not um, there's just a lot of creative liberties taken that do a lot to convey like with efficiency with like with economy of language what's happening on who these people are and how they feel yep. it's just yeah. a, it, it's great who was anti it was it was me which is why i was, was asking just to be sure there were stronger okay. games on the list you said, um I yeah i mean and, it's only on pc right now i think no. and no, it's on Switch. It's also okay. on iOS because I bought it earlier. Oh, great. It, it literally takes an hour, so there's like no excuse to just not put an hour into it and finish it. Yep. Unless you really hate it. So. Yeah, I did it in one sitting. It was great. Um, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is we have seven games. We have five spots. What two are we cutting? And I was like, okay, White Ocean, Big Jacket, make your case. Case has been made. Do we see that over something like Tony Hawk, Squadrons, Alex? I see it over Tony Hawk and Squadrons. I'm not necessarily saying take those off the 10. I'm just saying I think that White Ocean's <laughs> yeah. higher. I think it'll be, I, mean, yeah, I think the weaker links for me are Squadrons, though I've enjoyed what I've played. Um, I feel more strongly about Tony Hawk right now. Uh, and then, um, I mean, we talked about Half Life Alex, but like I said, I've just, those Half Life Alex and Squadrons feel a little bit more in the risk category for me at the moment. Is Ghost a game that has to be on this top ten list? And not a leading question, just curious. Like, who feels strongly that Ghost? Is I would like it to be on the list. Yes. Okay. For me, uh, what remains in this list that I feel strongly about is gaming comfort food. Uh, Tony Hawk, mm. Squadrons, Ghost of Tsushima. Like these are not games that I hold up as being like the best examples of video games. They're just games that I enjoy spending time with. Uh, as someone that was, I, I really ebb and flow on Star Wars. I fucking hated Episode Nine with an absolute passion. I think we all did. And did we all? I haven't I watched it, it yet. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. I heard I it was terrible. Either. And I didn't but go see it. Mandalorian helped uh, remind me of what I liked about Star Wars, and Squadrons helped remind me about what I like about Star Wars games. Probably even more than. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it definitely connects with that Star Wars experience for me as I 
know about it growing up. Because when I think about the Star Wars games I grew up playing, it was the like space, the, the ship games. It wasn't like the character games. It wasn't the Jedi games. And when I think of Jedi, I usually think more in terms of Jedi Outcast, not Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. I like Fallen Order fine. But Squadrons is, for me, that comeback to like, hey, remember when Star Wars games were like, really good they were like good and fun and and mm -hmm. that was it like yeah and it's i love the simplicity of its purpose i wish more games had that simplicity of purpose like it's it's mission based you have some time between missions where you can chat to your crew it doesn't even fucking matter if you do or not it's not a big part of the story but i enjoyed that chit chat just having those like one-on-one conversations seeing those personalities it's a it's a nice moment it's it's not required but it helps the experience overall. And getting the little tchotchkes you can put in your cockpit, like it's cute. Like it, it gives the game personality. So like Star Wars for me, it's, it's, I know it's a franchise and I know it's fucking owned by Disney now, but Star Wars is a part of video games to me. It's been a part of video games like since the very beginning. Like one of the first video games I ever had was Star Wars and the Game Boy. So when I think of Star Wars, like it, Video games are a part of that attachment to that series for me. And so seeing it played out in a very nice way. And yet everyone shits on me for the feeling of comfort, food, and nostalgia that I liked about Force Awakens. Jesus Christ. I think Force Awakens is okay. (laughs) Got him. Okay. Yeah, I'm with Tyler, though. Like, I I have enjoyed Squadrons, and I think it is a better game um, than I expected in that even frankly uh deserve like to be coming out of ea i don't know how they made it work so, so it, well. it sounds but. like uh aaron tyler and spencer are very positive on getting squadrons to the list nick is that okay i mean it's the first steam game i've ever refunded fair i really <laughs> really hated every moment but uh, as we established so you played it only in vr right you didn't play yeah the way they told me to I, we can't discount Nick's VR experience in the same way that we can't discount. No, no, I'm just saying VR comparatively. That's, that's VR I'm, I, there has to be some disconnect between three people enjoying the experience without a VR setup, right? Versus mm-hmm. sure, but I also didn't think it controlled very well. I I kind of didn't. I just didn't like. What were the, you using? Uh, Xbox One controller. It kind of sucked on the Xbox One controller. I, I was using a flight set. You were using the Dreamcast home. controller plugged in via... I don't know. I, I just bust out the Dreamcast controller <laughs> with the adapter. Now, that's that's the way to play. The fishing controller. Yeah. That's where the action's really at. Um, um, I, I don't know. I, I think I don't want... I don't have an interest in sinking this game, but I do have an interest in keeping it out of the top five because I just... Sure. I, I, again, I, 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 yeah, I, I was the target market. Five. Yeah, Nick, but, I'm, I'm not talking about top five right now. I'm talking about top ten. We got to cut two so we can keep our lives moving. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can live with that being on there. Yeah, car- cards on and the that's table. That's what I was saying about those cards on the table. Three games that I mentioned: Tony Hawk, Squadrons. Hold on, Spencer wants his cards on the table. Yeah. Let's let him. Uh, all I was going to say is, um, for me, Squadrons and Alex um, belong between spots eight and ten, like okay. distributed somewhere in spots eight and ten. I think they go on the list. Ultimately. My grip on Alex is a little less solid simply because it probably would have worked in tone control or art direction, and I didn't get it there in time. 
Did, so this is going to be the first year that we fight more about ten to eight than we do one, two, and three. I think we've had that before. <laughs> it really anyway, we have one, two, and three up there already. Really strongly about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Like I, I I'm just wondering, is anybody really strong? Well, that that was what I was saying about Squadrons. That those three games, Tony Hawk, Squadrons, Ghosts, they're comfort food game for me. And that none of them stand up as being like exemplars of gaming, but they are just. A good game to sit and relax with and tony hawk scratches that itch really well i mean it's the best tony hawk since three yeah uh because once they got rid of that timer once they started making it like these open levels like it lost a lot of the appeal for me so having those like uh contained experiences again it's like okay you guys know what works about this and you've incorporated mechanics from the other games to make it feel fresh and familiar at the same time. I feel like Tony Hawk has a better place on here than Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima is probably one of, if not the best Assassin's Creed games. Well, yeah, to, to build up what Tyler's saying, I don't even want it on the list from a comfort food perspective, and I worry that mm. that kind of diminishes its place mm-hmm. a little bit. If if Because we've talked about this among our group a lot, that some of the reason that I think, Nick, you um, shy away from those open-world experiences is because they do rely on a lot of that. They use the same mechanics. It's a map. It's a collect-a-thon. It's kind of appealing to that lowest common denominator sometimes with an open-world template to just be like, hey, man, if you love fucking exploring shit and finding crap, then this is for you. But Tsushima, again, I said earlier, is... I think very respectful of your time. Um, it is a consistent mm. tone. It is a compelling story that yes has been told in other medium um, mediums, uh, but overall the whole package I think is one of the best outside of Zelda, uh, Breath of the Wild, open world games at the end of the generation. Um, That's it, it stripped away a lot of the fat that is in dem- uh, is a problem of the Ubisoft games. I guess, like, I, I, I'm I glad to hear that, but I've spent probably about eight hours with the game, and my experience has been that the plot is not very good. The side content is pretty rote and very Assassin's creed like later game Assassin's creed style content, where it's like, okay, you're telling me your life story in 30 seconds, and now it's just, I have to go over here and kill someone? Or I have to follow this guy but not be seen? Okay. Like, I just feel like it's, it's not working for me anymore, this formula. And maybe it's because I OD'd on the original Assassin's Creed game so much, but I just I like I don't... Ghost of Tsushima a lot. I'm looking forward to Ghost of Tsushima too. I like Sucker Punch, and I like the like kind of PlayStation house style of like big AAA single player experiences. Yeah. If I'm gonna look at one to say like look at what games can do, look at why games are worthwhile as a medium, I'm much more comfortable saying Last of Us Two is worth attention in that regard. Even though I think it is more. I was gonna say. I was going to ask that exact question. And and in terms of the categories, like Ghost of Tsushima has two categories. Aaron and I are both going to write about Ghost of Tsushima in terms of tone control and photo mode. It's getting its propers. It's getting its due. And so I'm. it's one of my best games of the year. I had a lot of fun with it. I was really happy 100%ing that game. I dipped my toe back into it when they patched it with New Game Plus. But... It's, it's not a make or break it for me in terms of the top 10. I'm okay with it being in the top 10, to be clear. But, yeah, I just I, my experience was 
I don't feel like my time was respected by that game at any point in the eight hours I put into it. I just didn't like it. Yeah. I still when I, I still think it, I would I would pick it over Last of Us though, just because though yeah. Last of Us experimented a lot, I just didn't really enjoy playing that fucking game. That's I think the problem I have with it in the end. Got it. So, so when I look at what remains, I'm I'm more inclined to reward things like Alex Blaseball mm-hmm. than I am Ghost of Tsushima because Ghost of Tsushima is just a very polished version of a game that we are all deeply familiar with. And while that does deserve reward and recognition, I think it is getting that reward and recognition elsewhere. I wonder if it would be, if anything would be different in regards to the open world conversation if Miles Morales had been played and was mm. on the in contention this year. Because I'm just saying, That's... like, I feel as if every year we are, in the end, still pushing off games often that are open world because they're open world. And to me, because that's the genre I operate in, I just feel like that's still, a, that there is a disservice done. Um, yeah. Because it's just, you know, it has trappings that are similar. But every game on this list is using a parlance specific to that genre. There are things mm-hmm. that are in every genre that up in those genre, like, I think we have a lot of great games and we're celebrating the diversity of the experiences, but you know, I think it always still stings a little bit where it's like, well, it's comfort food or, you know, some people like I'm it more. trying to talk down to No, I'm, I don't think you are. I, I, think, I think you're misreading what I'm saying. I'm saying that overall, we still, it's still an uphill battle for these experiences because it's easier to say like, well, there's 10 other one of those games. It has an open world map and there's some collectible icons. I still think it's but we're more not than that. opposed to it because we've definitely rewarded games like that in the past. Like Breath of the Wild is one of our games of the year. Games and of Generation. Red Dead Redemption 2 made our list. Right. Which were, like, yes, at the top are, of their. When there are exemplars, we're more than happy to give those exemplars the attention that they deserve. Yeah. I think that. Ghost of Tsushima is a very successful game for what it does, but I don't think it's an exemplar of the genre. Hmm. I, well, I disagree, but we can cut it, and it can be an honorable mention. And frankly, like with games, like say, saying that something's got its proper's, like Last of Us Part Two has two category awards. Ghost of Tsushima has uh, two category awards. Mm-hmm. Frankly, you cut those two from the list, we're down to ten, and I sleep soundly. I'm That's where I'm at on this. That would make me fine, or that would make me happy. I. What else did last of us I mean, that could also be a scenario where none of us are happy. Best moment. It can be a scenario where no one's happy in the sense of squadrons is on the list, which I know Nick would not be happy with. Um, <laughs> Blaze falls on the list. So. Paper Mario is off the list, though, so Tyler doesn't have to be too mad. All right, it's back on the list. We drop White Ocean just so Tyler's unhappy. Yeah. FF7's mm-hmm. on the list, so I'm unhappy. We'll drop yes. Kentucky Route Zero so no one's happy. <laughs> Let's put Doom Eternal on. <laughs> Let's bring it back. We're bringing it if, back. If it makes any difference to anybody, I would have leaned towards Ghost of Tsushima instead of Last of Us because I, after our discussions today and after hearing about this more, I would be more interested in picking up Ghost of Tsushima, not least because it takes place where I used to live. But... Um, and it would be easier for Doug. Probably, I I have no hey, interest Last in Last of Us, of Us with the assist modes on. Super easy. I, it, thematically, it, is, thematically, I have zero interest in playing that game. And mm. like this is this is our list. This is not yeah. like you know a battle of wills so much as like this list should really reflect what we as a five person unit 
agree like this is what we think best reflects the site's mission so um i think that that's kind of how i try to come back to it that's why i'm okay with like based on what i've heard about squadrons i'm like oh yeah that probably is a top 10 game for us based on what i've heard about animal crossing i'm like that's probably a top 10 game for us i haven't played it as much as i would like to but tony hawk like i really like that game i really really like that game and i would much rather celebrate something that is also very joyous and very happy than uh, the Last of Us Part Two, as good as it is, I don't think it's thematically something I want right now. I'm just curious: is there any? Okay, but just because it's not something you thematically want, doesn't mean it's not worth. No, of course, and, well, and there's you know dark. Well, that's the whole argument with Ghost of Tsushima. But, yeah. Dark and dramatic stuff has its place, but this yeah, there's a reason why I played so much Animal Crossing this year. There's a reason why even Hades being up. up Are we at risk, risk of looking like of Animal Crossing too? Like I put hundreds of hours into Animal Crossing. It's not this or that. It can be this and that. So if we put Tony Again, Hawk's up there, well, are we just going to be like the the rewarding the millennial catnip factor, or is it really a good game? That I, if, I think it's good. Like nobody's saying it's bad. Well, I yeah, no one's saying it's bad. No, I just I I mean here's where I'm coming at it from. It's like I've played with that with, with the exception of Alex. I think I've played every one of these games. Um, and I've only have not played Alex because I don't have the physical space to play Alex right now. <laughs> if I did, I would have played Alex probably like a lot. Um, so I'm really gonna lean on Spencer here to tell me where does Alex fall on this list if you controlled it? Um, again, like frankly, I put if it was totally up to me, I'd probably put um, I'm gonna say Squadrons at eight, um, Alex at nine. Okay, like, that feels like pretty weak if it's below squadrons. It's relatively. it's below, but it's below squadrons solely due to accessibility. Oh, it's an amazing game. It's very mm. like it's it's finely crafted. The story is compelling. I love it. I can't wait to get back to it. Um, you don't have enough space to play it. Like Tyler and Doug don't have hardware to play it. It is hard Based for people to play. Sir, like if it, I have no if excuse. It wasn't about vr like then what would it be it would just be another like slightly totally different half-life game like it is the vr experience it is the attention that valve put into it as a triple a vr experience that makes it worthwhile yeah i completely yeah it absolutely is i I don't disagree with that at all and that's that's why i'm hesitant to cut it on that basis because like you know sports was our 2014 game of the year and that game hinged on Johann Sebastian Joust mostly, which is a game that I still think many of us have not played, at least not in like the optimal setting of like a bunch of weirdos outside with light up controllers. Extremely inaccessible. Yeah. That's like the most inaccessible game we've ever talked about on here. And yet that mm-hmm. game, you know, I feel like that game I still feel like that game is like one of the most important video games I've ever played. Um and Is I that feel... Half Life Alex? I mean I don't know that it's necessarily one of the most important ones that I've ever played, but it does bring a medium to fruition. Like, yeah. It, there, there have been so many hardware shortages of every single kind this year. <laughs> if that weren't the case, I think this would move units. I think people would buy... At least 500 more people. Some people did buy play. VR setups to play Alex. And, and it's... Like, it sounds like, if at least from what I've heard about Alex, it sounds like the interactivity and the interaction of there is 
not necessarily the same or the exact level, but it's similar to the impact of like Mario 64 and analog controls, for example. And a fraction of the yeah people can play it. I mean, given that I just played Mario 64 in the Mario 3D All Stars collection, like doesn't especially sound like well. Nineteen ninety six. In terms of out. moving a genre and moving like how you interact and interactivity. Similar sort of argument to Johann Sebastian Joust that Nick's making, that it's something so completely different, but it it's also less accessible because only, hardware is such a hurdle there. That's one of the only reasons I'm still willing to entertain baseball as a top ten because it is unique, it is original. Mm-hmm. I tried playing it; it's it's not alien to me, but it has zero appeal for mm-hmm. me. But because it's different than anything else on this list in both the way that it literally plays and the way it has evolved I think it's still worth drawing attention to okay and I think that could be the argument for Last of Us over Ghost of Tsushima if you're saying the highs are better and the lows are worse for Last of Us whereas Ghost is kind of level which maybe honestly makes it more fun to experience over a long period of time but maybe doesn't elevate it as artistically I guess in a certain way I mean, that was the point that I made. If anything, I would be more okay with Ghosts being on the list, simply because if the lows are as low as we've been saying with regard to Last of Us Part Two, um, we've given it two category awards. Yeah. We have plucked, here is an amazing thing this game did, out of it. Yep. That might be it, the... It feels too messy best. to me to be in the top ten. It's a little too long, too. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, there were those. Some of those acts, man, just dragged on. I do. I do. I think that of all these games that are still in discussion, the one we'll be talking about the longest from now on is probably The Last of Us Part Two. I would hope it would be Baseball or Alex, but I really think it probably will be The Last of Us Part Two. In the same way that we're still talking about Bioshock thirteen years later, and I'm not saying that means it should be on the list. I just think it's one of those games that's going to be hard to really come to terms with i think for a long time and that's that's great we, i love those things that you, you can endlessly dissect and look at from different angles but i i mean i don't think ghost of tsushima holds a candle of the ambition that last of us part two has but i also think that i i just the the highs don't hit me and the lows don't really hit me either in latin ghost i just feel like i'm playing and i'm playing generic open world game and I, I wish it was more than that for me but i just I don't, I don't find anything hooking me in here. Even as someone who's like enjoyed but Kurosawa movies. I, I do hear what Spencer is saying about uh, Last of Us being recognized elsewhere and looking at the numbering here, like we need three. Yeah. Laceball, I can see a case being made for. Alex, I can see a case being made for. Last of Us has had its case already made mm-hmm. for it. Tony Hawk Pro Skater, I don't think I'm going to talk anyone into leaving it off of the list. Is, I also don't know if we will be talking about it. Video gamiest games. Yeah, on I would list. leave Tony Hawk off the list. Personally. I don't think we'll be talking about it a year from now. Like, it'll, yeah. some people will be playing it. Well, that's. I was going to say, like, I, I'm, I'm, I've made my peace with it not necessarily being on here, even if it's fun, even if it's an incredible nostalgia trip. Tony Hawk One and Two is the Crash Bandicoot trilogy uh, of sports, like, sports games. <laughs> It, it manages to recapture what people liked about that PlayStation experience. 
and that's not nothing. Yeah, that's good. But it is an experience that these people have already yeah. had. Yeah. I think also in terms of comfort food games that like are targeted to people aged, you know, 34 approximately. Hmm. Um, I feel like Animal Crossing and Final Fantasy VII Remake did more interesting things and have more to be lauded for I mean, in that regard. Apples to apples. I was going to say that actually. Yeah. With Final Fantasy VII, our, like we're pretty sure that that's super safe. I'm just wondering now that we're in the top ten discussion, like does does that feel like our Doug? I wonder, Doug. I wonder if Tony Hawk would have gotten as much attention as it had if Five and HD weren't complete. Oh, and, and that's the argument for it is they tried this before it was HD and it sucked ass. That's why it's yeah, so amazing. I that think it, it would so well. have because. They rebuilt it from the ground up and did a, a really good job of making it feel like the game we remembered 20 plus years ago. So I think it would have, regardless of that. And enough time has passed between those awful games, I think, that. But. This isn't totally. I'm very curious if it has appealed to people that didn't play it. Yeah, I'm wondering, I, I don't know. That is, that is a big question. Um, I don't solely say this out of uh, a feeling of guilt for having grandstanded. Um, Command and Conquer over Tony Hawk for the uh, remaster category but I personally like I fired up the Epic Store I very seriously thought about buying it I'm kind of waiting until it comes out on Steam or it hits a good sale Um, whereas uh, like there is a console with The Last of Us Part 2 sitting next door that has been offered to me to borrow if I want to, and I have no interest in doing so. All right. Do we want to? But that's well, like do we want to put it down? To I have a Blu-ray player with a copy of Schindler's List, and I have no interest in hooking that up. That and is watching also Schindler's true. Like, I absolutely have no <laughs> oh, come interest. Come on. Have you the Last of the Us Part Two is <laughs> the Last of Us Part Two is not the Schindler's List of games, but. Um, no, no. Of but what I'm hearing it's... is we should put that game's place on the list to a vote, right? Because it sounds like it's two and two in favor or against so far, right? So we're we're choosing who gets the final slot, basically. Unless there is still something that anyone is like, no, fucking absolutely not, not in my top ten. I mean, we haven't talked about all the games. We just have, of course, ranked them by which which have the fewest number of objections. But if there are other weak yeah, links, no, like I and I, I've approached this that okay, we made an argument for, for example, wide open big jack or wide ocean big jacket. I brought the question up. I said maybe not. It only had the one objection from me, and there was a very good argument made for it. Okay, I want to see this on the list now. You don't feel like we did that with Last of Us Part Two? No, I feel like we have made the arguments, and now we're at the tough part where we have a couple of things left and one spot. Okay. I'm, I was. I'm. I'm not picking out that Wide Ocean should be moved down. I'm just saying, as an example, we've gone through the discussion with that. FF Seven. I would want to see it on the top ten. We can talk about where it goes, but I think there's interesting parts of what they've done and what and how they've done with it. Um, Half Life Alex for the VR uh, point of view. I think that deserves to be on here. Star Wars Squadrons, yeah, you guys are loving that, so I'll give you that, because I respect and understand where that comes from. Disco, Kentucky Road Zero, Animal Crossing, Hades, those should be on our top ten. I, We're to the point where we have contention about what's the last one on there, and now we have to discuss. We have to figure that out. Honestly, I'm okay with any of these three making that last place. 
um, I think everyone, there's a good enough mix here from each of us uh, with like impassioned arguments for each of them. I could see each of them rounding out the list in a really nice and distinct way. I don't know how to make this call. I think at this point, based on the rationale that Spencer gave, Tony Hawk makes the most sense because what Last of Us Part Two does well, what I'm most inclined to reward it for, is going to be discussed in both and categories. Best moment and ad. So that's why I see experiences like Doug's with Tony Hawk as being something worth making. I think also it's a sports game have... this year. I'm... Technically. Yeah. I'm not well placed. But... <laughs> I'm not saying it for that point of view. I also think that Aaron's view. experience with, with Ghost is important by the same token as Doug's experience with Tony Hawk, yep. though. Like, I think, I think Tyler, if you're cool with it, let's just take Last of Us Part Two out of contention here, and it'll be down to these two. Fair enough. All right. All right, do we want to vote, then, on the remaining two? I mean, I would, I would go ahead and just level that same rationale again, which is that we've got Ghost of Tsushima winning... Tone control and uh, photo mode. I realize photo mode is a little bit niche, but tone control for a game of that scale is quite an accomplishment. I think that it getting those awards is good, and we haven't really recognized Tony Hawk otherwise. However, if we want to take it to a vote, I'm also fine with that. I just in now apples to apples, I I wouldn't prefer Tony Hawk as a game from this year over ghost but that's just mm. the taste part of that um whereas last of us i did play all the way through i understand its merits but i didn't i think it's fine being off list. last of us is already yeah. gone yeah. so don't worry no i know i'm just saying that i have more yeah from the remaining two um but i don't know vote or not I'm good either way. Um, yeah, I I can also make yeah. arguments against Tony Hawk. I'm I'm honestly good either way, which sounds dumb, but yeah. You non-committal bastard. <laughs> I think we should all make a. I think we should try and make a decision. Yes, Spencer and Doug, make a call. Thank you. Good day. Nick. Man, my heart says Tony Hawk. What's your body? What my body says uh, that there's probably something to go to Tsushima. I'm just not getting. But I, th- man, Tower, what would you vote for? Like, I, I think if I if I give my vote now, it's gonna be Tony Hawk. So yeah, uh, I think Spencer swayed yeah. me, and I think I've communicated what I like about Ghost of Tsushima. And while I do think it is a very good package, it is definitely not uh, more than the sum of its parts. I just think all those parts are very nicely made. All right. All right. Especially because we've already given best remake to Command and Conquer. <laughs> Out of nowhere. I, again, I I feel a little bad, except it does really deserve to be rewarded. I don't feel bad because yeah, you, you freaking sold me, though. 
I, I love uh, Spencer's wild card picks. It happens every time. <laughs> Spencer's just like, oh, nobody likes my games. I played three. One just pumps so out. Here they are. <laughs> All right, we have our top ten. Well, not top ten. We have our ten, uh, which are Hades, Animal Crossing: New Horizons, Kentucky Route Zero, Disco Elysium, Final Fantasy VII Remake, White Ocean, Big Jacket, Star Wars Squadrons, Baseball. Half-Life Alex and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Uh, I think we keep Tony Hawk it. Yep. Is this the part? I, I think that's a perfect 10. That's, that's Doug's, Doug's, Doug's sports game <laughs> slot. <laughs> <laughs> my sports game slot, man. That's that's not even like a, something irrational. It's something that was supported by multiple other people. This is not the, the you know, the, oh, just give it to the NBA game or whatever else. But there, there's empirical evidence for the 10 spot being the sports game There slot. are... There are Grand two Turismo sports sport? games on year this year. Doug is ascendant and triumphant, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I still consider baseball is not. Sports. It's not really yeah, sports. Sports. Not a sports that. game technically. Baseball yeah, is Wars too far is more of a sports game. Baseball is too far left to be a real true sports game. Um, yeah, let's put squadrons okay. at nine. Um. Fine by me. Yeah, I would rather I have Alex above sense. it, even though I enjoy. Yeah. All right. Same. All right. Okay. Um, in that case, I I would put uh, Alex at eight. I'm comfortable with it there. That's okay. fair. Sure. Thing. Yep. Where, Where does you... Final Fantasy VII remake go? Seven. I feel it goes at seven <laughs> because it's Final Fantasy VII. Um, hey, from what's left, let's table this for From now. what's left, I would I would find it hard. I would not put it above what's left on the list, though. So, Let me I either. mean, maybe baseball because I haven't even played it. But I'm I'm wondering if the two commissioners will make a more impassioned baseball defense. I mean, Doug, baseball is a top maybe. fiver, right? For you, for me, no, no. I could say five, oh, man. but okay. I, I'm also willing to cut my. Or, or to not um, risk my losses here and just put it at seven for the moment. The fact that we got in the top ten is like pretty amazing to me. So I feel like I, I, I do believe it belongs here. Yeah. What about? Come on, Final Fantasy Seven would make it seven. Baseball at six. All right. Does anybody Vibe feel stronger Ocean, that Big Final Fantasy should be five? higher? Maybe Tyler. I do, but I, I kind of, I kind of feel like we should. I mean, I love doing. I love the joke of having FF seven at seven. Um, I wasn't I, doing it just I for that. Maybe scoot Blazeball down a couple slots, but I'm not going to fight for it. We can we can, when we're putting things in this top ten, they can be reshuffled around we can make nothing's changed yet we're just trying to get them okay. in a first order right. so where do our wide ocean big jacket people i mean i think on this list well, well nick what do you think i would have put it below baseball but on my own personal list it's okay. like at number five i think five is a good spot for that at the highest okay This is where it gets really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll I'll just uh, call it out loud right now. Um, Kentucky Route Zero at one and Hades at number two uh, are where I would put those two. 
I'm not prepared for that yet, but I do think those are going to end up being. I think Horizon at four. Horizon is yep. Animal Crossing yep. at four. I'm fine with Animal Crossing. Yep. There. Top three seems really hard with the remaining games. Yeah, considering yeah. what's up against, I don't think it's quite there. Even if it may be the most game I've played all year, the most some of the most fun. I don't think it's. I don't think it's right there with those two, or those three rather. Yeah, for me, for me, it's Kentucky Disco Hades. Yeah. I don't see how after all this time, Kentucky doesn't make it into the top two, right. especially given the way you guys. Oh, to be, to be clear, that was one, two, three for me. Number one, Kentucky. Number two, Disco. Okay. Number three, Hades. I'm I'm good with Nick so far. I think I, I could go with that. I don't see me getting Disco no. number two though. I I just don't. Hades is definitely over. I haven't played though. Disco okay. yet. Hades is my number one with a bullet. But I'm 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 ready to have the conversation between Hades and Kentucky Route Zero. Okay. But I I will fight to keep Hades away from being anything lower than two. Disco Elysium in the I, top three was my goal, and I feel really good about that. How about Kentucky Route Zero, one, Hades two? I'm I'm happy with that. I feel I, like that's right. I think that's perfect. In a, in a world where Kentucky Route Zero faded into nothing, episode five didn't come out, Hades would be number one. Yep. Like, I, I was the Bastion stan back in the day and desperately wanted that to get to number one. So I completely feel like Supergiant has been climbing the list. They deserve to be up here at number They've one. Arrived. Number yeah. But the, the payoff from Kentucky Route Zero is just too much to ignore for me personally. I, I've played enough of Disco to have a strong opinion there, but I don't know enough about Kentucky because I've been stupidly waiting for the switch version to go on sale i could have got it on the ps4 on sale but it's say it's worth everything nick as as the person that has put the most time in those two games what puts kentucky above hades for you and also you're fairly high on hades i I love hades hades is honestly i might even put hades above disco if it really came down to it but it's going to so that's fine uh but on my personal list um what it is for me is that Kentucky, I, I tend to defer to the games that really teach me something new about what games can do and say and be. And what Hades does so well is it taught me just wh- how good a roguelike could be by, okay. and just how the, like the weaving of the narrative progression with the gameplay progression is just so genius in Hades. Like, I think that's like the thing that really just makes that game like so important. Um, like, but it's, it's taking two things that I've seen Supergiant do really well, you know, action combat and interesting, uh, narrative development and doing it better than ever before on both fronts. Like, mm-hmm. it's really incredible. Um, I think what Kentucky Route Zero does is, I feel like I've said this before, I'm still trying to figure out how to talk about it because I just finished it this week, but, um, it's the first game that I, I felt like it's like the it's like the first time I played a game I've been like been like oh this is like the great American novel but a video game, like it's, um, it is so ambitious and evocative and melancholic and relatable and um, it feels it feels at once like really hard to to penetrate in some ways to really understand what it's trying to say exactly. But it's very evocative, and by the end of it, and when I look at like the whole arc and the way the acts are divided up, and what happens in each one, and the beats, and the like, some, there's some really interesting narrative decisions they make. Like, I don't know, Aaron, if you remember like the boat 
going away in act four surprisingly and then that that character is just like you know yeah absent but that was like i thought just the, the things that it did and the effect that i had was just like um very powerful and it's, a, it just, it's an easy number one for me not just because mm-hmm. of the the anticipation we've had for almost a decade for it to finish um it is a justifiable number one because it does challenge what a game is the structure of games the narrative and story that a game can tell um in satisfying ways and it's it's a reason that we have given other games number one over the years um hades is a very strong game again the first roguelike light whatever that i've ever bothered to put time in to finish and that mastery doesn't go unrewarded but just because it has so many layers to me it, it does feel like it is a mastery of that genre but it's not the game to me that represents the year that's that's definitely kentucky route zero even though yes the final act finally came out this year and the rest have been ongoing for seven years so i mean this year has kind of been going for seven years not just the joking about how long 2020 is but politically and socially like this has been a ramp for the last however many years to get to where we are now i mean i want to point out that it's 2020 and our top three games it's 2020 and our top three games one is about being stuck in an underworld of like a dead and dying america one is about being stuck in an underworld that you can literally never leave without dying and one is about being stuck in like a failed state and like just wanting to drink yourself into oblivion so they're pretty on brand and then animal crossing is about having fun with your friends and planning a garden and stuff and then you can kick flip in our number 10 hell yeah do a fucking sick barrel roll and a kick flip down at the bottom of the list (laughs) yeah um i'd also write about hades honestly i really i mean i I think multiples of us could like it's it's superb it's really, really good the format this year will allow us, I think, to kind of mix and match if we want to. So, Adding in... There is part of me, personally, that feels in terms of Kentucky Route Zero that, at this point, because I know it's something you guys have been championing for so long, that's kind of like Lord of the Rings Return of the King winning Best Picture, where it's just like, wow, yeah. you guys stuck the landing. Like, this is going to be like a cumulative prize for what you've accomplished, not necessarily like Act 5 itself, but mm. like like you guys said, if, if Act 5 hadn't come out or if it came out to like a wet fart, then we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Dry farts only. Knowing that they had this saga over years, and for an indie studio, like that's nothing to slouch at. So. Yeah. I think specifically... I'm comfortable. Specifically, I... Nick talking about it as the great American novel for video games is like... I could say Hades is number one and be an asshole about it, but I, I'm not sure that Kentucky Route Zero isn't going to be number one if I get to it in a couple weeks or by the time it's all said and done in January or early February, and I don't want to take that risk. <laughs> well, and you you two, like uh, Doug and Tyler, you might bounce off of that, completing it to full. Like, it might not resonate with you, but it is a, then on a taste level, that's fine. I still think it's not just a, you know, a taste-based game. It sounds like something I'll be yeah. into no, I, when I have that yeah i i say that you have to go through it slow in my opinion you don't want to rush that experience yeah when i land another gig i'll i'll buy gift copies for the ones who haven't played it personally no i i have it it's 
No, I, I, I have it. Oh, I've had have it. it. Oh, God, Doug. Fucking Doug. It takes, <laughs> Doug, it takes <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like eight to ten hours for all five acts. You I can know. definitely I'll, get through it pretty fast. It, it's just, it's I'll, not. I'll buy a Switch copy for Tyler when I, <laughs> when I get another job. It just admittedly is not bingeable. It is cerebral. It is dense. And it is, uh, it can be unforgiving in that way if you're not ready to sit down and commit to an act even. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Do we have any objections to this order? I think I think it looks pretty good. So Spencer, you're hosting. You want to read them all? Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our final game of the year 2020 list. At number ten, we have Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two. At number nine, we have Star Wars Squadrons. At number eight, Half Life Alex. At number seven, Final Fantasy VII Remake. At number six, we have Wide Ocean Big Jacket. Number five is Blaseball. Number four is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number three is Disco Elysium. Number two is Hades. And our number one game of the year 2020 is Kentucky Route Zero. Thank you so much for joining us, and keep an eye out for articles i guess i guess they're already out by this point keep an eye out for our honorable mentions as they uh come out a little bit after this thank you so much